0: Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. That's great. Uh, a Yeti cooler, yeah. Is that a Yeti cup? It's, it's a Yeti cup. Yeah. yeah, it's a gift given to
1: me. But nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam gets all the fancy stuff.
0: <laughs> I guess I pay the what bills. What didn't? Oh, that was yeah, but from yeah. But, I mean, you did the work, but yeah, I, I did but the work. The check comes from me, so the so the swag gifts go. I mean, it's got uh, my name on it. That Sam mine. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah, when uh, we did start recording a little bit ago, you too. All, all right. right. Well, yeah, I like to sneak. welcome I like sneak, to sneak here we are sneaky. Yeah, it, it throws people <laughs> off a little bit, but I like it. All right. Um. Well, we've got a guest today, Jim. I'm going to let you take it. Chris Atkins. Christopher Atkins is here. Yeah. Christopher, Glad, welcome. Thanks so much. Glad to be Chris here, Christopher.
2: I prefer Christopher, but Chris works just fine. Yeah.
1: Okay. Christopher. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. It's a Wednesday morning, <laughs> bright and <laughs> sunny. <laughs> I was waiting for the weather report, Jim. <laughs> you know... I just like to talk about the weather because we're Midwesterns, you know. But it is <laughs> we're Midwesterns it is just beautiful like, today.
2: <laughs> is it Midwestern or is it North? I've heard a lot of the conversation. Oh, uh, now we're Midwestern, Upper Midwestern. Now, yeah, yeah, but it's
1: kind of branded North. It's become a brand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So let's. I'll go with North. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How, about-
0: how's the weather up here in the North, Jim?
1: It's like, can we get a report? 67 degrees <laughs> out and bright, sunny today. There you um, go. Everything's green, finally. Blue skies. It's a little bit like the Simpson skies, mm. you know, with the fluffy clouds. Just a little
0: cloud every now and again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really nice out. I I couldn't agree more. It's beautiful out there. Yeah. I'm i the weekend. From the other end right of the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a whatever day it is, in the morning-ish yep. at this point, before noon, anyway.
1: Before noon, yeah. Here we and are.
0: Uh, Chris, you're... Christopher, you're in here. Uh, so I have an older brother named Chris, mm. but it's Christopher as well, but he goes by Chris, so it's... Uh, yeah. Is he a C-H or K R? Oh, no, he's a C-H. C-H, Yeah. Same. yeah. Same. Yep. Uh, so you two have known each other quite a while, right? Yeah. We have, yeah. We, we
2: work together, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, Chris helped me... At the Minneapolis Institute of Arts at the M.A.P. Right. Show is where we met.
2: That was 2014? Yep, 2014. Yep, right. 2014. So, and Jim is someone who uh, whose name and kind of reputation I had heard about before we started working on this exhibition. So, uh, when his proposal was accepted, it was really nice to be able to look forward to that year or so that we worked together on that
0: project. Yeah, wow. that was great. So, like yeah, the, the better wonderful. part of his reputation. Yeah, is what you're talking about. Hopefully. Okay. Yeah, there's because we know we know he's got multiple. <laughs> reputations around town, I would say. It was his artistic career reputation yeah. that I was you. responding Thank to. You, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes. And that's the good one. Right. That's that the is good a one. good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, uh, so that was your, was that your second showing? Is that the one I saw? Mm-hmm. Yep. Am I yeah. Because I'm super
1: old, so I had one 100 years ago back in 2000. So
0: <laughs> was that your first
2: one was in 2000? Yeah, Got 2000.
1: Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
2: almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And
1: I didn't wow. kn- really know what I was doing at either one of them. Yeah. So. It
2: well, could have fooled me with the one that we worked on. We had a lot yeah, really good Yeah, that one was a little bit more,
1: it was a little bit more, I think, dialed in.
2: Right. So I mean, all these, these projects always go through a couple different plan A, plan B, plan Cs. And by right. the time it arrives, it's it feels good. But sometimes it's very different than how yeah. those original conversations started. And that was, yeah, it was, sure. uh, I mean, you were an essential
1: part of that. Hmm. Shell for me because yeah. you kind of i mean you really helped facilitate it you kind of directed you know sort of the vision and and you know we were able to
2: execute it in the museum too yeah for those of you who didn't see james's uh piece um it it was a massive hole cut into one of the gallery walls yeah uh, on the second floor of, of mia it was 10 by 20 feet uh Eight by eighteen. Eight by I eighteen. So roughly was, the yeah. dimensions of a of a cinema screen.
1: Yep, that's correct. But
2: yep. cutting into that wall, cutting through sheetrock, lath, trying to avoid the uh, the struts and the uh, the the, the wall supports. The support. Yeah, the studs yeah. that were in there was a a pain. I think we did good with um, controlling the dust. Yeah. I think was. we only set off the fire alarm once. Right. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That was, that was exactly
1: right. Yeah. I mean, that was, I I don't think, I don't think, uh, anyone quite anticipated the amount of dust that was going to be.
0: Well, I was, I I did see the show Mm -hmm. and, uh, so that's a commercial building. So it's got a different kind of structure to it. So it had metal studs, Mm -hmm. which you're, you're not supposed to once the wall's up you're not supposed to take it apart like that that's just not the way it works right right but it also had uh it looked to me like it had two layers of five ace sheetrock. it was it was a thick 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 wall and then um
1: i think three quarter inch plywood too yeah yeah so
2: yeah I mean, that was a, it, was, it was a thick wall, I know that. It was really thick. And this is one of those moments where art is as much about what the artist. And you did show some of your, your wall pieces. And I your, did, your paintings yeah. on And some view.
1: paintings and then some other uh, pieces, sort of but, spray paint on plastic and things like that.
2: But this is one of those moments where it was not just you and I talking through crazy ideas and figuring it out. Right. You know, talking with the facilities people, talking with the security folks, talking with all the other departments that were in uh, part of the museum. Uh, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, it was a complex thing, in spite of how simple it looked. I mean, maybe it didn't look simple, but the execution of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when it was all said and done, it looked,
1: you know, I think it had a surgical quality, which lended itself to sort of a cinema screen. And, you know, the idea was to extract that large portion and reveal what was underneath the infrastructure, what holds the museum together, and then take that you know, wall and clamp it together. And that's a sculpture. Right. Yep. So, um, but, but yeah, it was very surgical cause we, Sam, you'll appreciate the fact that we did not, we did not even nick the, um,
0: the steel studs. studs. Yeah. I noticed. Studs, I, yeah. I looked, Oh yeah. I mean, of course. I'm did. in construction. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> right, so right, I was, right. he was, I was looking at that thing closely. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah was, that was a nice cut you made. Yeah. Well,
1: well,
2: yeah. It was, and then I think did we use a laser to to line it up just right?
1: Uh you know what we did <clears> is we used um, a skill saw, and then we screwed in um, basically a guide, a two by four yep. guide into the wall, and just laid the plunged into the wall, then mm-hmm. with a the skill saw and just yep. ran along the guide, which which worked perfect. Yep. you know, and just kind of measure. Kind of classic, classic, classic technique. Yeah, but you, I mean, but you did a really nice classic. job of it. Yeah, the, you know, because we're builder nudes, i guess yeah. so we next. were once upon a time
2: right and putting it back together went really well too obviously we had to to patch up the wall at the end of the show but you know the the folks over there got that they put in the uh the uh the lath and the um the sheetrock but then mudded it and sanded it and made it look as if it had never yeah. been there yeah it looked yeah. really good yeah so, i yeah. think
1: there was there was an effort for the re- you know putting it back together like the eight foot because then the sheets come in eight foot, you know, yep. four by eights and pop it in there, mm-hmm. tape it and mud it and sand you know, it. sand it up. Yeah, they didn't
0: make you do it, damn no. artists.
1: No, can you believe it? You know, a mess oh, all yeah, all in the
0: name of art. And then the, then the guy who does drywall work, he's like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm fixing it, but I don't get to be an artist, <laughs> do I? You know, all angry. <laughs> <laughs> A story well, there. when that
1: when that skill saw <laughs> did go through all that, I mean that was I mean the amount of dust that was kicked up was. You oh, know, I've done it. Uh, yeah, I mean two it's, two big things of sheetrock plus the plywood. I mean that was yeah. The fire yeah. alarm was not
2: was not. Good thing, yes, <laughs> you know, I think that's just particulates that just got up there and right. were you stuff.
1: nervous, Chris, when that was happening?
2: a little bit, yeah, because um a it's a it's a museum, so you know when you're working at home and you're putting in a new bathroom or putting in some walls downstairs in your basement, that's one thing, right, yeah, but when you're in a museum with Priceless works of art, and there's just a gallery to your left, and a gallery to your right, and a gallery just behind you, with those artworks. And it's, then the stakes are a little bit higher, yeah. You totally. know, uh, and that's where it becomes uh, not just artist curator staff, um, but artist curators, security, fire folks, facility folks, all making this kind of come together. And it's it's really collaborative in that sense, right? Uh, because you're uh, you're really thinking about not just this project, but those things that are that a museum is there to, to take care of and preserve for uh, for, for eternity so. right
0: yeah so, <coughs> good point good point yeah.
2: so, so it was uh, fun
3: I yeah it. and, and it's a highlight
1: yeah <laughs> and, and that is well I'm glad that that was that I was part of that highlight yeah. that one anyhow um, how did you so uh, let's hear about yourself Chris. yeah oh, sure. how did yeah, you yeah. start yeah. as sure. a curator
2: yeah I um I've had a couple of different roles here in the Twin Cities since I moved here uh, in 2005 I um did my undergraduate studies in, in art history, um, very general, you know, I, I had a, an early shine to Egyptology. I spent a lot of time looking at um, tomb reliefs and understanding how tomb owners were depicted and were they alive or were they dead, you know, as you know, um, Egyptians spent a lot of time thinking about the life as well as the afterlife and right. preparing for that afterlife. So. It's an early fascination of mine. Um, After that, I spent a lot more time focusing on painting, specifically modern painting, my undergraduate studies. And then once I got to graduate school, I really started to focus on contemporary art. I was really interested in um, American as well as uh, European uh, contemporary art. Um, And then all of that towards museums. Um, Growing up, I always loved museums. I have fond memories of visiting the Art Institute of Chicago with my dad and my mom and seeing the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago as well, too. And that sort of really stuck with me as not just what I'm interested in, but how do I turn that interest into a career, into a lifestyle?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a rare thing to be able to do to, to make something you enjoy a life. I consider a myself career.
2: I consider myself really fortunate for that reason yeah. that um, that this thing that sort of started as you know as a kid as a as a thing that I did with my folks has become something that um, that's that's my passion. That's what I love to do. So. Awesome. <clears throat> so when I got to the Twin Cities in 2005, I started working at a now closed uh, exhibition space called Franklin Artworks, and I was there for a couple of years. Um, and then worked on a couple of small uh, one-person shows, um, worked a lot with the administration of the gallery at that point, point. Um, and then uh, I then moved into teaching. I was uh, an adjunct faculty member, which a lot of people do,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, over at the College of Visual Arts, which is now closed, which is over on Summit Avenue. Yep. And then I was at McAllister College and then a couple classes at, uh, at MCAT as well too. Okay. And that teaching part is something that's never left me either. I mean, that, that ability to sort of connect with students, to take things that, you know, I sort of see myself and in, in some students as well, too, as a, as a kid, being interested in it, but not knowing what exactly can be done with art and how people sort of study it and how it becomes something um, more than just things in the wall. <clears throat> And then, um, Jim, uh, shortly after I was uh, teaching, I started working at SMIA for the uh, Minnesota Artist Exhibition Program right. in 2009. I was there for about six years. Okay. And, and that, for people who aren't aware, is a uh, pretty unique program that... Uh, as it exists now, but I think back in the 70s when it was originally um, embraced by MIA, was a little bit more common uh, in that it was a, a curatorial program department that focused specifically on local artists. Um, and it's existed since 1975, I think, the okay. year I was born is when it was, um, right. when it was started. And it's gone through permutations and it's changed now and there's new, uh, there's new leadership there. right. Okay, um, and then after that, I was at the uh, Minnesota Museum of American Art for close to four years, and continuing to work with the uh, museum's collection, one-person exhibitions, group shows as well too. Yeah, so, yeah. That's so I've kind of bounced. To, I've been I've been around. Yeah, <laughs> you have been around.
1: Where'd you go to grad school?
2: I did my graduate studies at Goldsmiths College at the University of London. Okay, um, it's a. Um, Smaller college within within the larger University of London system, which also includes the Oriental Institute, Birkbeck College and a couple of other schools and this focused specifically on the arts and they had a very famous, uh, well renowned art school as well as curatorial and then my department was visual cultures. So I was there for two years as a student, one year as an employee and then moved back here in uh, 2005.
0: Hmm. That is a lot. I could pretend <laughs> to know something about that, but yeah. I, I think I'd be best off not. Yeah. Pretend- <laughs> and, Small art colleges and, in London. And where is hometown? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. My um, yeah. the town I was born was called Wayne, Illinois, um, okay. and I literally growing up as a kid. There was a sign uh, as I drove down Army Trail Road into Wayne Illinois that said population 500 it was right. a very very small town in yeah. suburban Chicago okay. um, there was a church there was a school there was a store and a post office
0: perfect and, and that was that's about a town it. yeah that's a town right, right? there yeah. I mean you got the you got to have the stables and the cobbler and the and the blacksmiths. Yeah,
3: too.
2: but otherwise, you're pretty <laughs> well, close. That, and yeah. it was it was horse country. There's a lot of horses in yeah. the area, and people were. They, there was a. Um, it's not an official hunt, but there was a fox hunt in the area where they dragged the scent of a fox rather than an actual fox. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's a bunch of funny guys running around in red jackets through the woods. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How European of it. <laughs> <I Yeah. know. laughs> so, right there in central Illinois. Know, it's very charming. <laughs> so, so you ended
1: up from there to London. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, to Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I've been here for uh, since 2005. So it's coming up on, gosh, almost 15 years. Yeah. Almost the same amount of time that I lived in Illinois um, before I went to college. Um, so I've been thinking about that a little bit. You know, like, like I, I lived in Illinois until I was about 18. I spent a year in Denmark as an exchange student, then went right to college. So this amount of time that I lived in Minnesota is about the same time as I lived in, in Illinois as a kid. So I've been weighing that that experience about how connected I feel to both places now, what kind of experiences I've had in Minnesota as it compared to Illinois. So it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, so the uh, sort of the weight associated with... Uh with the childhood with your upbringing being a place like it's a little bit weighted more heavily toward well that's what i identify with sure uh despite the fact that you you know you've putting on almost as many years here now right does I it mean, feel that way or do you feel like you're becoming more and more connected to me so
2: yeah i i have always felt connected here surprisingly quickly uh, yeah. about moving here um having a life having a career you know i've had some very formative experiences in illinois of course being born yeah uh, going to school growing up um you know all those things that go into you know graduating from high school learning how to
0: drive like um, same small town straight through too. Basically? Well, I,
2: up until I was ten years old, I lived in a place called um, St. Charles, Illinois, okay. which you know is just about five miles away um, to the uh, to the west. And St. Charles is very; it's much more like the other suburban areas or cities in the area: Geneva, Aurora, uh, Batavia, are the ones. Um, it's grown. It's sprawled. It's got its big box stores. Wayne has done a lot to sort of really hold on to its. A 500 population. Right. It's bigger than that now, um, but it's really holding on. It's really trying to resist all of those things that are kind of encroaching. Right. Where St. Charles has really, really grown um, in terms of tourism, in terms of retail and stuff. So,
3: yeah, my
0: my small town I grew up in uh, Elk River oh. is a you know it was a small town when I was there. It's no longer. No. Yeah. 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 All of those things encroached, and there they are. It's a so. common refrain. I'm sure a lot of cities are like that. Yeah. A lot of the cities
1: up north are like, I mean, so my parents went up to, moved up to Perham, Minnesota, which is kind of like my hometown in some ways. But uh, when we started there, I mean, it was very rural Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it was still a Ben Franklin store and and a little movie shop. And now, of course, there's the Walmart, you know, and and everything else that goes with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. 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 The, Walmart's, uh, I know. It's the it's the it's the death of a lot of those smaller it businesses is. that are in some of those places, right? So it is. do you go back home very often? Yeah. Do you um, still have family? Yeah, my dad and his wife still live in Saint Charles. Okay. Um, they um, host Laura, my wife and I, um, we go down there to visit them for Thanksgiving. Uh, my parents uh divorced when i just after I graduated from college, so my mother lives in Kansas City, so I drive down to see her once I mean she probably will say not enough per year, sure, yeah. but i 'm down there at least once a year, and I see my dad and his wife at least once a year as well too. I, I think all moms say that I think yep. that 's part of being a mom, <clears throat> I know yep, it goes with you not know, calling enough or not visiting, and usually they 're right, so yes. <laughs> Keep complaining. Keep, hear, compla- keep hear telling that, me that, Amber. Amber? <laughs> <laughs> but there's, um, there's when we do, when Lauren and I do go visit, um, there is a lot of connection to that town where I grew up. My parents, or my dad and his wife, still have a lot of friends over there, so their social circles kind of congregate in that area as well, too. Sure. Their country club that they go to is over there, so they're oftentimes there for dinner. It's Pretty damn flat out there, isn't it? It is, but it's it's kind of beautiful as yeah, well, too. Right. Um, the Fox River kind of goes right through uh, St. Charles, Illinois, and south through Geneva, and then it goes all the way up towards um, into Wisconsin as well, too. Um, but it's pretty flat. The Fox River Valley, as you drive through St. Charles, you go up and down. But yeah, you know, a lot of corn, a lot yeah. of soy, yeah, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rural
0: um, rural things. So, yeah, so I kind of find the beauty in it too, by the way, what's that? I, I find the beauty in it. Yes, yeah, I, I, oh. I do. I love, I love driving through farm country. I, I love, love hitting the open road. Yeah. yeah. I'm never bored. I mean, when people say Nebraska's boring or Kansas
2: boring, I'm like, well, I, I just, I, it's just easy for me to find the, the, the interest in it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, I've never seen so many sort of like uh, pig farms as through uh, Iowa, for example, or, you know, through Kansas city, there's a there's a lot of beauty in the landscape. Yeah. When you're driving at eighty five miles an hour. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Um, Christopher, yeah. I also know I so you know, you're you're also an
2: artist. Yeah. Photographer. That's right. So um What are you working on right now? I'm working on a State Arts Board grant as we speak. Oh, okay. Uh, I applied for one uh, and received one. I was very fortunate. um, Thank you, State Arts Board, uh, back in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I've been out of it for a couple of years, um, mostly to sort of follow through on what I said about that first uh, grant, and that's to kind of get my studio up and get some things in place. Um, But I've been researching um, a new grant that's due at the end of the month. Um, I'm getting my... Um, do you want me to talk about it, or should yeah. I just leave it at No, no, no. I'm yeah, not good. Good. I'm, I'm yeah. All right. Well, I, um, this last weekend, uh, my wife and I, Laura, were driving through, um, through Route 8 uh, just north of here on your way towards, like, Taylor's Falls, and I've been getting excited about barn quilts. Have you guys seen these? Speaking of driving through rural... Barn plain? quilts. Barn quilts. The The word isn't really accurate because you have these... There are sort of four-by-foot, five-by-foot, eight-foot-by-eight-foot squares are oftentimes mounted to businesses, to homes, and to barns. And the tradition started back in 2001 uh, with this woman in um, in Ohio. And since then, it's kind of really kicked up, and people have gotten a lot more interested in it as a way to sort of acknowledge quilting, but then also this sort of open-space, accessible art gallery that can kind of connect a community over... Five miles Hmm. Um, and oftentimes there's barn quilt trails that'll sort of show where these sites are located throughout you know in on route eight through chisago lindstrom into center city all the way to taylor's falls um that's a pretty drive too yeah it's a beautiful drive as well too are you saying that there's a quilt like a like a quilt, quilt it's a pattern of a quilt square that's uh-huh. been painted onto mdf okay. or mdo okay and yeah, yeah. then mounted to the outside of a barn or to a business or to a okay, home okay yeah.
1: well i know the his. i mean there's quilting history yeah. My grandma mm-hmm. made quilts which mm-hmm. i still oh, have i mean yeah. my whole family's still quilting yeah. all the time matter yeah. of fact this morning i just picked up a quilt well I, I guess you can't say it's a quilt it's a blanket but it was hand sewn yeah. of uh amber's youngest son's uh Uh, Oh, cool. Because he's graduating. But that tradition, that sort of like, you know, there's something
2: about the, you know, the tradition of a blanket, a quilt. Right. And then with the signs on the outsides of barns, there's even an older tradition uh, are called hex signs. And they come from Germany. And these are oftentimes done as, you know, pre-Christian signals that would sort of help basically uh, bless an area. Uh, they would uh, certify good luck. They would um, be there to sort of encourage fertility for the fields, uh, help just prosperness, prosper, prosperity I guess. Yeah. prosperity <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for the farm and for the people who live there. So there's this longer tradition um, even before that, and those are oftentimes circles and a little bit more intricate. These are done in such a way that are more colorful. You can see them as you're driving by at 85 miles an hour. Yeah, uh-huh. um, But they're also there as a, a spur towards tourism. Uh, they're getting people to pay attention to commerce. You know, a lot of communities really want people to to slow down and to sort of have lunch, see what these folks are doing, right. but also celebrate their arts communities as well, too.
0: So if uh, if you drive by a business with a with a barn quilt on it or, or barn with a barn quilt on it. it does that denote like there is art here that you could stop and see is that the point uh,
2: that, in some cases yes in, in some cases you know uh, we saw a bank that had sort of like a nest of eggs on it so it was sort of very tongue-in-cheek on the nose reference to the um, the business that was there Some of the barns, yeah, we stopped. I pulled out my camera, set up a tripod, took some photographs, and then we just drove on. So it's an individual thing. Um, There's not a lot of interpretive material, and that's kind of where my my grant kind of comes in. Hmm. Um, But then that connects to the five or six, seven others that are just down the road as you... Are making your way through that part of town. You know, there's one, and there's another um, community in Carver. There's another one up um, near Staples on Route Ten mm-hmm. on the way okay. up to Park Rapids. Yep. Yeah. So when you say you like it connects, like so, I mean, do, do, once you the see them, you'll start seeing. Him. Are, are the neighbors having a
1: conversation then? Some too? people, like, yeah.
2: I mean, a lot of times these begin with um, sort of uh, chamber of commerce folks uh, uh, okay. because what they a lot of them begin with that idea of getting people to slow down take some time to notice these communities as you're driving through them. Um, and so they'll, and I, I think it's different per place that you talk to. Um, and I'm just learning a little bit about, but there's usually an organizing group and either there's an artist or a group of artists or people just make their own. And mm-hmm. so that becomes, you know, a Facebook page, that becomes a website, that becomes a PDF or a map that you can print out and kind of use to navigate to these places. So <laughs> it's no fascinating. Idea. Yeah, That's very fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah I did Oh, not- it's a
0: lot better than those, uh, like, Cutouts of Sasquatch and the you know the like cowgirl and stuff you like can, you can never the, beat a Sasquatch yeah. or a Bigfoot. So
1: I, I
2: come I mean, on, it's a
1: you know I'm just saying. Or there's like you
2: know I mean other cities have done this too. I mean there's sort of like the um, there's the peanuts characters over in Saint Paul. You know in yeah. Chicago there yeah. were a bunch of bulls that they would have out. Different cities do different things. I like this because it's a little bit more abstract. Because yeah. these are really just I mean forget what they are sort of historically but if you look at them as just abstract paintings i mean james i mean yeah, your, your paintings right. could make a great um a great uh, uh, barn, barn, quilt, yeah. barn quilt yeah yeah, so, yeah. well
1: oh <laughs> you could we could put a bunch of them together and, that's right you know yeah or just enlarge one of these to
2: eight feet right yeah. it's out in the hall right now i'm working on it oh, okay yeah so <laughs> so this this idea or uh, this these these barn quilts have just sort of been stuck in my brain for a while so I've started to send some emails, started to reach out to a few folks who have organized these communities and really thought about what it would be to document these um, sites, um, what it would be to to take some photographs and portraits of the folks who have commissioned them. um, And to sort of do a little bit of a project on sort of the overlap between that uh, narrative um, of history, of, of folk art, of commerce and tourism. And see how some of those kind of come together as a, as an essay or as a series. It is God. really
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah we mean, don't we don't usually deal in uh, like sort of facts and truth and mm-hmm. all of that on here. You just you just gave us a real a real history lesson in something. Well, <laughs> I, had, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I actually believe you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I yeah. believe what you just told me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I think whew. once you start looking, once you start seeing them, you'll kind of start to <laughs> see those overlaps because. You know, as Laura and I were driving around, she was a great navigator, by the way. Um, You know, we saw a a llama farm um, just north of Chisago. And it's this beautiful quilt that's in blues and reds, and you can see it from a mile away. Yeah. But then when you're in town, they're connected more to the bank, like I mentioned. They're connected to, um, you know, a shoe store, for example, or a cafe. But because of their design, they're really easy to see from far away. Uh-huh. So I haven't seen a QR code barn quilt yet, but right. I'm waiting to right. see one because I think that was a great idea. Yeah, um, Especially if you get some colors and stuff. But the idea would be to sort of look really carefully at what these are throughout the state. Um, spend some time hearing about the inspiration for why these quilts, why these colors, why these designs. And then get some fort- uh, some portraits of the folks who have, you know, the artists who have made them or the people who have commissioned them.
0: So Well, I do a lot of driving around outstate minnesota and i really enjoy taking different routes each time i mean there there are a lot of really great small towns there sure are yeah and you you know if you can if you can afford the extra hour or so that it might take to get off the main freeway which most of the time you can if you actually think about it you (laughs) know like we we don't we like to drive by real real fast on the freeway but uh yeah if you can get out and see the towns it's sure it's fun Mm -hmm. i usually get lost
1: Without my GPS. Yeah. And then I find my way into some town.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's on the way to Park Rapids, right? Well, there's another community um, that's called the Barn Quilts of Central Minnesota that I Mm -hmm. just, and this is all early research, but um, yes, on the way, on Route 10, uh, Staples um, is sort of the center. But that... That um, community of barn quilts, I think, covers two or three counties, like maybe even five cities. So it's pretty big. Some of these others are pretty small, as they want to kind of emphasize that this is a community. You know, you're you're here. These are the sort of the, the folks who live here. Carver, there's one in Carver, which I think is also um, specific to that area. There's right. one in um, and a few others as well. And uh, hmm. you had a show up in park rapids i did yeah, yeah. um a couple of years ago um i had an exhibition of my photographs uh, a series of work that i was making um i struggled uh, a few years ago with with sleeping i think a lot of people sometimes mm-hmm. struggle with that i don't know how yeah, it I, happens. Re- I remember this show i remember yeah. having
1: conversations about this actually
2: and it was i was trying really hard to stick with something close to me because it's what i knew best you know i mean i could i could be my own inspiration that whenever so that the exhibition was about my struggles with with sleeping mm-hmm. going to sleep staying asleep and getting the rest that i needed like all of us need right so i took those moments where i wasn't sleeping um and took those moments as, as my studio time to really pull out the camera get out the tripod and really focus on the things that were either on my mind or were kind of keeping me awake and i i attribute a lot of that to technology you know um of the, the yellow light that you or the blue light that you receive from things like cell phones or computer screens or, or mobile devices does a trick on your circadian rhythms and it keeps you from really going to sleep and staying asleep. And so I've tried really hard to, um, to not to turn off the phone an hour before bed I try. I emphasize try, right, um, right. which I know we all struggle with. But that that sort of um, that technology was something that I was attributing to uh, making it hard for me to, to to feel refreshed. And I think nowadays with technology being twenty four seven, I I think we're going to get to a point where we're not really resting as much. You know, where that time where we're on or we're always receiving information is going to be more and more and more of our of our sleeping time. You know, I don't think we're going to, I mean, of course we'll sleep, but right. I think that there will always be those moments where perhaps, um, sleep is deteriorating.
0: You know, yeah. You, you and Sarah are into shows well, like Black Mirror and stuff. Oh yeah. We're into
2: that.
1: We're also into tranquilizers. So, <laughs> <Which> <laughs> helps, <which> helps. um, <laughs> We're both big fans of, of <laughs> substance to yeah. put us to sleep. So, well, on that happy note, um, yeah. um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's take a little break. We're 30 some minutes into it. Okay, so, uh, like fl- flew by, but uh, we'll
1: let's, pick up let's, where we uh, left
0: off. Let, we'll pick up and we'll we'll get into some of the second half. We often uh, get into some of the more bizarre things that people are into. Sounds and good. Some of our fun. I so, got those. So, All right. Yeah. It so, sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel safe products directly to your door in an airport security safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. All right, all right, all right. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what isn't? Kinetic Design Build is a full service boutique remodeling service residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with a purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consolation. Gosh. God, I just like that, that one. All right, that one is definitely not going to be mine. <laughs> that could be Ugh. my favorite. S- Want to go on a wilderness adventure with Sam? Or maybe know a group of kids who could benefit from a break from their electronics? Maybe you just need a break from the kids. Visit earthed.org for more information about how
0: to get started. Brought to you by the Andalin app. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin.
3: Ah, uh, shit. Andolin, now available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit Andolin.app for more information. Do you have an idea that you know deserves a digital solution? Finding a partner to help navigate the digital design and application building process can be daunting. Mobile Composer, in partnership with Kinetic Legacy, offers forward-thinking design built on a stable and adaptable compliance platform. Visit mcomposer.com or kineticlegacy.us to get started building the solutions of tomorrow. Enterprise or consumer together, Mobile Composer and Kinetic Legacy offer solutions that work in a language you can understand.
0: Interested in art? James Holmberg...
3: Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant.
0: Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more. We're going. Welcome back. We're doing it great all right we're back Yep, yeah. back with uh, christopher atkins uh, man about town artist quilt lover <laughs> <laughs> barn, quilt. barn quilt lover i love it i
2: have obsessions i, I sort yeah. of find myself with these things that i notice that are just like wow that, that can keep me busy for a couple months a couple years of just kind of seeing it through learning more about it so yeah. well you kind of knowing you i
1: mean you are interested in quite a bit things yeah. you know um this, this past
2: this past spring i um i found a passion that i haven't been able to pursue for a while but i went turkey hunting earlier oh um, a couple towards the end of april yeah and i haven't been going for a while i did a couple years ago but i just had an opportunity to do it um for a couple days a couple very early days um at the end of march or end of april and it was yep fascinating it's so much fun i wasn't lucky um i, I bow hunting or shotgun shotgun yeah um i i connected with a couple of, of of toms i got them really close um but they didn't come in quite close enough so right. um that's why it's called hunting right yeah you know
0: that's why it's called fishing well so. i have uh i have turkey hunted bow turkey hunted the last uh I don't know, maybe three or four years. Oh, yeah. I, I still have yet to, yeah. to get one. Yeah. <laughs> have you so, shot
1: the arrow? I have a couple of times, yeah. Yep. Okay.
0: yep. I uh, clipped a few feathers yeah. one yeah. time. A little, a little poof of uh, I mean, like, literally just the, the ends of like five feathers fell off. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I'm being fair about the hunting part of it, like, I, someday I'll get turkey and oh. i hear uh mixed things about how good or not good they are mm-hmm. um i think you know i i deer hunt and i fish and so i'm kind of used to i have the expectation that i'll enjoy the turkey whether it's all that great or not mm-hmm. but uh to be fair i, I I could do this for years and years and not kill any, and yeah. be totally fine with yeah. it too. It's just the it's so interesting to get out that early in the morning, yeah. and mm-hmm. to hear them gobble, and then they come strutting across the field, and it's just really fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they say that you know turkeys are are. I am not sure if they're smart or if they have really good senses, but they have incredible eyesight. Yeah. They have incredible hearing. They say that if um, if they could smell, you'd never see them. I mean, they just are, are so able to sort of. Pick out where someone is uh, in off movement, um, leaves or branches or trees that just don't look right. That look like you or me sitting up against a tree, and they're like, "I'm out of here. I'm not going to go near that." Yeah. So it's a they're a very tricky bird. So the better you can call, and that is, you know, make those sounds of a of a hen, whether she's excited or whether she's purring or whether she's just trying to bring people back together, the better because that's what gets the toms' need to breed sort of uh, towards you and then ultimately so you can shoot it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's true.
1: And Uh, and are you hunting
2: with friends then? No, I I go by myself.
3: Do you? Um, I I think in the future. You don't get
1: shot?
2: Well, you know, I think you know, safety first is is always the the rule of the law when you're hunting either deer or or turkey or everything else. But um, in turkey hunting, you know, you're – You're there to sort of call one animal towards you. Some people do have another person that's there calling, and I think a lot of mentors will kind of help people Mm -hmm. by calling and while the other person has their bow or their shotgun. But um, where I've done it so far is just on my own. I don't know too many people yet that I can convince to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, on on a Wednesday and sit in the wood for six hours. but that's right that, yeah. that,
1: that guy oh yeah, Sam, yeah i am Sam's i mean, there yeah for sure yeah. i mean he might now that not, I know this i might still be up at 3 a.m that's what i was <laughs> gonna say you he won't just catch act, me on the you, tail end he, of a day yeah, I'm, I'm will we'll to have go. any problem he'll just be up at 3 a.m <laughs> <laughs> he'll,
2: he'll just you know uh, i'll just text him you up and then yeah
0: <laughs> yeah let's go um i've uh, been duck hunting a lot more recently oh. uh down by Hastings in in on the Mississippi mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the there's a bunch of islands down there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a really small boat, and th- there's there's some guys who come out they've got big rigs and and they put out a million decoys and they're all I have a small boat and twelve decoys mm-hmm. and I sit and I love it mm-hmm. so if you're into that I'll
2: please do yeah. yeah and that's and that's a thing that I've been learning is that um you know hunting has a has a Public relations issue with it, you know. And not only are kids not getting into hunting, but you know, there's a lot of um, people who uh, don't like guns. There's a lot of people who don't see hunters as as ethical harvesters of animals. They mm-hmm. sort of see them as going out in the woods and just kind of blasting away Um, right so there are some people um out there nowadays you know the rough grouse society modern carnivore and a few other people who are really addressing some of this you know helping to sort of recruit and retain hunters but then also helping people see hunting as as a harvesting of you know you don't have to just you don't shoot a turkey and leave it you know you skin it, you gut it. Yeah, no, you, you cook it, you eat it, you share it with your family, and you do it again.
0: Yeah, we had hamburgers last night that my kids are like, is this hamburger or is this deer? And you know, they're no. ten and twelve. That's said, great. No, it's venison. Yeah, oh, it's deer. Oh, they love it. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, I mean I I've written a little bit about this and, and talked a little bit about it in the past, but um the you know, for for anyone who eats a hamburger at your at your local restaurant to not understand that when I go up to my brother's farm to harvest a couple of deer off of that farm with my family um it's a it's a big thing to kill a deer i I feel emotionally drained and, and emotionally connected to the animals that I kill and and you know i I understand that that's you know for some that's controversial or something that you would even do that. But uh, I know darn well that those deer lived from, from their birth to the moment that I shot them, mm-hmm. the best lives in the, in the most natural environment they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that when I eat a hamburger that is a nameless, faceless hamburger at a restaurant, that I might not be able to say that about the animal that I'm eating there. So, you know, I, if, you're, if your problem is that you just don't like the eating of animals... I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. But if your problem is I don't like the eating of animals that weren't killed in a sort of, you know, farm environment or something, like, well, let's let's talk about what this actually looks like. So, And I think attached to that, too, is the carbon footprint that got that hamburger
2: to your plate is massive. The amount yeah. of water that it takes to feed yeah. the cow, the amount of meals that it takes, the methane gas that is released. You know, there's a yeah. whole... There's a very, and uh, I'm not speaking as an expert here, but there's a lot more to Well, that's, how, our, that's our wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, an expert <laughs> Yeah, just talk. But there, <laughs> the amount of energy that it takes to have that quarter pounder on your plate is substantial. Yeah. And it's happening millions of times a day. And I know that that's having quite an effect on the environment. Now, that's very different for someone like yourself or myself who's going out to maybe harvest a deer or a turkey if we can get one. Yeah. No
0: yeah I mean I know it's not for everybody but I think that uh ethical hunting uh done with reverence for for nature and a respect for nature i mean it's it's really fun to be out uh watching the world wake up and to see animal and I, and I don't know aside from aside from getting a deer or two a year like I don't really have very much desire i find as i get a little bit older to kill the things actually Mm -hmm. unless i know for sure that this is something i'm gonna take and eat and you know but other than that i i just like watching them
1: christopher Mm -hmm. you mentioned um kind of a social part of this too because i know and i've been invited over to your place Mm -hmm. you know you have some really great cookouts and some of the smoking that you do. I mean, that's another thing that you're pretty passionate about, yeah. I, I believe. you know?
2: Cooking has always been fun for me. I, I, I'm not sure if it's something I got from my father or my mother, but it's something that I've picked up over the past couple of years. Um, I haven't done a turkey yet, but when I do, I, I will find a creative way to do it. There's a lot of recipes out there nowadays from people who are starting to look at, um, at um, wild game and, and how it's cooked, and it's not just... Putting it in the crock pot and drowning it in in wild mushroom
0: soup. Anymore. Oh yeah, cream of mushroom soup like that's a classic. Yeah. I know, I know, but I think, no, yeah, right, you just right. described
3: uh, well, you, know, you just seventy described... percent
0: of the of the venison and
2: duck eaten in, in Minnesota. Right. I, I, I thought seventy percent of my life, basically. Yeah. You know, there are other recipes out there, but um, but yeah, something... I mean, you do a
1: great job. When I've been over, I mean, the things that you do, I mean, I think are. are you know that's another art yeah that's another art form i mean you know
2: the oh yeah the the care the beauty you know the the time and that's the part that sticks to me with the most is that it's it's not fast cooking you know it's not like a walk where you get super hot and you just kind of throw things in there and cook it really I, i like the the endurance sport of it you know that it's a five or six hour thing that you're kind of paying attention to you know, like a photographer, you're kind of making micro adjustments or mm-hmm. um, you dialing bit, something dialing in, dialing something in. Yeah, and it's yeah. fun to share with folks. You know, it is. I mean, the social part
1: of it, it's yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. And now that the weather's nice, yeah. What, God, now you, you make me want to go hunting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it makes me want to just be invited over. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. I haven't hunted in years, yeah. and I and I it's grew not up for everybody. Hunting, I get that. You know, but uh, over the course of years, it just started to you know fade a little bit for me. You mm-hmm. know,
0: um, I. I oddly enough like what I one of the things I enjoy about it the most is just the immense amount of work that it takes to get my little boat into places no one else can get into and to get it and and I'd love to have company oftentimes I have to I can't find anyone so I just go alone yeah let me know uh, and then a few it's years a ago, I actually all of a sudden, I can <laughs> picture the two of you <laughs> yeah. in your
1: gear with your shotguns uh, and
0: little Jimmy say, just sitting say, at home, no, all along. me, yeah. yeah, just by myself. We'll do a podcast on it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I started, uh, I started a few years back cooking uh, my duck much more carefully, kind of treating it, like you say, not in a crock pot. Um, but treating it as a uh, more delicate and so I don't know, just growing up in Minnesota, like you you sort of think like it's got to be cooked hot or, or long and slow, so that it's just there's not a single thing living, yeah <laughs> because somehow or other this wild critter is going to make you sick, right you know, but uh, good old bitman. Mark Bittman, how to cook everything. I love that cookbook. But uh sort of helped me realize that I don't need to overcook my duck. And I can take it real carefully so I make these elaborate sauces and you know, finish it in the oven for a little bit after some searing and stuff. It's, I love it. It's good eating. Yeah, it's changed the way I feel about duck because before that I thought it was a little gnarled piece of meat at mm-hmm. the bottom of a crock butt that tasted a little like liver with cream of mushroom soup all over
1: it. So so I think I grew up with everything overcooked. It wasn't until my adult life that I ever... Tasted asparagus the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> same with same with same with me and meatloaf. I've yeah, had a lot of bad meatloaf before. Oh, before just yeah. cook
2: the shit out of uh, everything. Yeah. That's depression era cooking. Or yeah, well, something. that's exactly right. Yeah. Get angry you know, at it, it's like I'm yeah. gonna cook you. I'm
1: gonna cook I you mean, so hard. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was like, no, no, not asparagus. and It was all stringy, and I'd be chewing on it. Eat your asparagus; it's good for you. I'd be like,
3: oh, this sucks. You know, like gag like, reflex. Yeah, yeah,
1: but but then all of a sudden. And I had it when it was kind of crisp, and I was like, this is asparagus? It's not, you know, yeah, this is the
0: way it's supposed to be. Yeah, my, (laughs) you you needed like an actual saw to get through my grandmother's hamburgers (laughs) when I was a (laughs) kid. I just used completely black, round little pucks. uh, I I would say that was
1: the exact opposite, (laughs) though, for me. Thanks, my dad like it was as liked, bloody as yeah, possible yeah he liked to see some <laughs> blood in the burgers you know and be oh, like yeah. that's the sauce yeah. you know and <laughs> I'd be like okay yeah. which I still
2: you know so well yeah, yeah I love that and I think what you're describing isn't and sort of like what we're experiencing now isn't necessarily any more difficult I mean I think it's just a different way of doing it you know yeah. it's like I think with just a few adjustments to how it was done in the past you can actually create something you really like yeah that for one, sure oh, it becomes a palette for other things to add to it and uh huh. Yeah. Leave yeah. the leave the
0: cream of mushroom soup in the cupboard. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah. Or maybe I mean, that, we yeah. used to
2: go through so many
1: cans. of cream I don't know. Of I don't remember soup. the last
0: time I bought one. But yeah, I mean, like I think even when I graduated high school and went off to college, like oh, yeah. I got my first apartment. Yeah. Like we got I don't know. I got about twenty, thirty cans of cream mushroom soup or something, that's, don't I? I need that's it. That's the only thing I knew how to yeah. cook. <laughs> you <laughs> know. I just go I don't even everything. know that yeah. I used it. I just felt like like you're just sort of reproducing not what you a meal know. without it yeah yeah so you so you're like well if i'm filling the cupboards yeah if you're the gonna make a grilled Stotino's, cheese you might as well <laughs> have some cream of mushroom <laughs> soup with it yeah <laughs> it's
2: like a muscle it's like a, a, a culinary muscle memory yes so, yes so, so
1: christopher <laughs> the other thing that i know that you're that you're into obviously is is beer yeah
2: i mean you know a lot oh he went right into that about yeah. beer it's a it's a great time to be a beer drinker I, I like to tell folks i mean especially in the twin cities there's just you can't throw a rock without hitting one that's just opened or is about to open yeah and um i live in northeast here and there's a couple that are really close to me um thankfully one one of my favorite ones uh is just within bike riding distance of, of my place as well too which one's that fair state fair yeah. state in central it's my mm-hmm. favorite they do a great job they're not too big not too small great tap room you know, when they, um, they've they got a great selection of beers on tap all the time. There's a new beer every Thursday, beer festivals throughout the summer. Good stuff. I mean, could yep. life get any better? I mean, I, I can't, as
1: a kid, <laughs> drink a beer. I mean, it just keeps getting better every yeah. day. I mean, th- especially in Northeast. Yeah. I mean, there are so many, uh, yeah, tap rooms that are opening up. And and I know you've thought about brewing. A little bit, your yeah. Own. And Sam, of course, has brewed his Have own. You? so once again oh. let me int-
0: introduce the two of you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, talk about it. right so i uh <clears throat> for a long time i maintained that that my family has what might be one of the nicest homebrew systems in the state Is and i right? could be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure we're right up there uh and the, and the it's the reason for that is really our control center, which is a uh, it's an all electric fired, all grain brew, brew system. Uh, it's uh, let's see, our pots are twenty five gallon, I believe, um, and I think we can do a double batch and get uh, in our two fermenters. We can get um, yeah, right around forty or fifty gallons going at once or whatever. But anyway. Uh, but it's got this, uh, very, we, we splurged on a control system for it. So the time and temperature is all very tightly controlled. So it's like a test batcher for a larger brewery. Cool. So, yep. It's, uh, it, it's allowed us to very consistently produce really decent beer. Good beer. I, I like the the sort of the combination of, of
2: science, including physics and, and chemistry, as well as creativity that goes into to beer making. I mean, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. And you're seeing brewers nowadays kind of experiment with all kinds of adjuncts and things going into it. Some people are really pulling back some of these historical um, recipes about how brew, how beer was made when German immigrants came here in the 19th, uh, oh, I guess 17th, 18th century. Ooh, gosh, that sounds like a bad estimation but anyway That's okay some of these early <laughs> well, uh, beer recipes um
0: as well as looking to the future too it's yeah. so what do you bring now uh so this is all up at my father's place mm. and uh i'm i'm the system builder so i did you know six months or a year's worth of research to figure out what we were going to build and how we were going to build it uh my younger brother alex uh was in Iraq at the time through the Minnesota national guard. And he gave me a kind of a pile of cash and said, here, let's build a system. Uh, and then my father and another friend of ours put some money and time in too. So I'm more of the, I'm more of the system builder. Uh, my older brother is a, uh, can, he can plow through some books pretty quick. He's just got this ability to read a lot. (laughs) So I'm a pretty smart guy. I, I give him a hard time all the time, but uh, anyway, he he kind of perfects recipes because he can read four books on a certain style of, of beer, and uh, he went to Harvard for math, so he's got this ability to put to say, well, if if we're trying to hit this recipe, but we really want a little bit more of this one and some of that, here's what we do, and we put in, you know, because a lot of the a lot of the differences, if you've got if you've got twenty pounds of of two row or whatever it is, the the five ounces of a darkened malt is going to change the outcome dramatically. So the the things that change the flavor of the beer are in really small quantities. Mm. So you have to do some kind of careful calculations when you do those. And Chris does that, and then my dad brews. Wow, yeah. And, and, he, and my my dad does. over and taste. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and so. my dad's always uh, willing to, you know, kind of have someone come and help help him for a day or, or use our system, and it's a lot of fun.
2: Do you have uh, a recipe that you've got dialed in that you feel like you feel you've mastered? Several. Several. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh, there's a Kolsch that's, that's really good. Uh, there's a... Uh, it's a sweeter stout that we make. That's, that's really smooth, really good. Um, my older brother, there's a creme brulee stout that we finish with, uh, with champagne yeast that bumps the the alcohol volume up pretty high and it takes like six months sitting there and it's delicious. That one always goes really fast. (laughs) Uh, we do not make the world's best IPAs. Uh, I'm not sure why we make some some very drinkable IPAs, but none of the sort of bigger, bolder ones. But wow. yeah,
2: I can't wait to try one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. well, well, I mean, you
1: guys, when you're done hunting, you guys yeah. can <laughs> go over to the still and figure, figure it out. That's my brother's next <laughs> desire is a still. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, Chris, what yeah. do you? So, I wanted to ask you. I we we got off the sleep area and your show up. In, oh, sure. up there, but. <laughs> um you know do you want to do you want to kind of talk about that show at all yeah
2: um like i said i um i just took this thing that was happened to me to be the inspiration for these photographs yeah Um, i just feel like it it lent itself to be um kind of uh presented in that way yeah um it didn't need to be a story it didn't need to be a poem it didn't be it didn't need to be a movie or an article i just felt like this could be a really great photo series so I followed it through. Um, I tried to be as broad as possible in terms of what sites I was photographing in. Um, everything from hotels to staying at a, at a family home uh, on vacation to cabins in the woods. i um, mm-hmm. All just sort of think about this as broadly as possible. So, right. um, I didn't want it to be one-dimensional. I didn't want it to be the same photograph over and over and over again. Uh, sometimes when you see photographic shows, they're the same size, same dimensions, you know, everything's kind of lined up in like a, a bathtub ring around the gallery. Right. So I played with color and black and white, different sizes. So, um, <laughs> I, so it became more after that. I added more photographs to it, but that's kind of where it started.
1: Right. That was an interesting show. I went up there and saw that. And that was mm-hmm. at, um, what is it called again now? The N- Nemeth?
2: Nemeth Arts Center in Arts. Park Rapids.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. which is sort of a historical uh preservation building
2: yeah and when you go downstairs it's sort of uh, like a lot of um city museums you know there's sort of uh, yearbooks there's varsity jackets there's um sort of remnants of early industry that were in the city as, as well um they even have a couple of um sort of uh, historical rooms that they've kind of recreated like a schoolhouse so it's a real nice time capsule and then upstairs hmm. on the second floor they have this series of galleries where they have exhibitions um and because of the weather, I think they only have shows sort of the spring through early fall. Right, they close up in the winter time. It's just a little bit too cold. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the, it gets cold up there. Oh, as you, as you were leaning into that, I was thinking
1: like people are going to think we live in Alaska. I know, <laughs> you know like which,
0: like you can't make it up to Park Rapids in the winter. Like, well, I you know. I know, I know roads roads it's really not very. Roads pleasant, are icy. <laughs> I say it as if like it's it's pretty ugly. It, it is it pretty be. ugly. It's I ugly. I love winter and I love. You know, I love the ice fishing. I love the, the things. But man, to to drive somewhere to see something in the mm-hmm. middle of winter in Minnesota, it's
1: a little little rough. But that's what makes you know. It, it's interesting to me, like this venue that's that's in this small town, and and some of the things that you're even talking about, like you know, um, you know, traveling outside of Minneapolis and kind of looking at you know what what's happening you know around and sort of like folk. You know that, that that's very reminiscent of folk art. You know the uh, quilted barns.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of emphasis on the, and, and deservedly so, the the creative community and what's being made and produced here in the Twin Cities and even sort of those first ring suburbs as well too. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot happening um, outside of those areas as well. You know, um, you know, Park Rapids is an example. Saint Cloud. You know, there's all sorts of the um, Winona. That are sort of these smaller cities, but still do have quite a bit of creativity and creative people there.
0: Yeah, I think I think much of outstate Minnesota does. I mean, it, you you the arts have permeated this state from the get go. I mean, corner to corner. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think there's also a lot not just being made there, but also a lot to pull out of there and to be inspired by as well from from what people might see outside the Twin Cities. So, well, there's
0: just the one city, isn't there? Yep. It, it, it is, is, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh just kidding. I won't go down that path.
1: <laughs> Every once in a while uh, I, I love Saint doing Paul. that. I love yeah, that
2: yeah. that joke's good. That's, one of the it, first it, it times good one. <laughs> when my wife and I first started dating, um we, I would always make fun of St. Paul. I would always make fun. It's, I always used to say it's like going back ten years in time when you go to St. Paul. It, yeah, it's it always so, like huh? ten years ago. <laughs> you know, the the, the cross, the the crosswalk signs are a little smaller. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> so I was always giving her grief about it because she was from, um, she's from Falcon Heights. We were born and raised and grew up really close to the State Fair. So she goes, all right what I'm going to do is I'm going to plan a 24-hour date where you and I are going to go see how cool St. Paul is. Yep. So I found an Airbnb, uh, and she took me to uh, Hmong Village. We went to the caves uh, and saw you know, sort of the prohibition story there. Yeah. Uh, we went to a couple different restaurants in town. We stayed at an Airbnb um, with a couple who have since become great friends um, and went out to dinner and went out to see a gig over at the Amsterdam and had a great time you know it uh, turns out had it's had nice a nice city turns out it's a nice city right <laughs> and you
1: can, and you can really get around because no one's there yeah, i know because yeah. you could you could fire cannonball down uh, robert street at five o'clock you can at night. Go bowling <laughs> in <laughs> the <laughs> street
2: <laughs> so they roll up the sidewalks at like eight o'clock in Saint paul <laughs> so dumb i know uh so uh what else do you do for fun around here Gosh, I've been doing a lot of reading lately. Um, I said fun. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Well, he's already doing the
1: beer hunting, photography. Beer hunting. I like that. Beer Beer hunting.
2: hunting. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately. I've been um, picking up some podcasts in town as well, too. Getting back into some fiction. um, I read this book called Lanny the other day that's published by Gray Wolf Press here in St. Paul, or in Minneapolis, who used to be in St. Paul. so just kind of you know um working that muscle a little bit of getting back into fiction seeing how people are creating a story um getting lost in a narrative for a little bit as well too so yeah it's always fun i know especially when the weather's nice you can kind of sit outside in the backyard yeah so just enjoy it absolutely while you're barbecuing <laughs> <laughs>
0: you go enjoy your
2: four
1: four or five days here we got a decent weather this summer <laughs> too hot soon we'll all be complaining so. Yeah. So I always love to ask it. I mean, what so as a curator, you know, what do you what do you think of the vibe is here in the Twin Cities, the art mm. scene? Yeah, good question. And, and I that's a loaded question. <laughs> totally. and it's super subjective. It sucks. of the art course. Scene sucks, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's
0: doing everything wrong. Yeah. No,
1: I
2: don't think it does. It, well, I don't want to an answer. Um, I, I think it's um, are you are you asking about what's the state of the arts in I don't know what um, I'm asking okay. exactly. You know, I
1: I he personally I think
2: well, I think it's,
1: there is a vibrant art scene. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of artists here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of buildings that house, you know, um, artists, crafts, people, you mm-hmm. know, artisans. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot. You know, it's just an interesting time, I think, right now. Right. Um, you know, especially in Northeast. Right. In right. some ways. Well, in some ways, a lot of artists are, I think, going to be... D. Central Boot? Yeah. What's from that? Northeast. Well, I think that some of the buildings are being bought out. Oh, yes. I've heard rumors. What is it? Is it the Thorpe building? What's North, the one? North, Northrop King? Northrop King, yeah. yeah it
2: just got purchased. So, Which is sort of Art A World, Art Attack Central, Ground Zero, right? It's yeah. where a lot of those began. Yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of coming on the heels of uh, Art A World just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. Wasn't it just mm-hmm. in, um, early or late May, early June. Yeah i've stopped going to those events i I just feel like it's it's just such a a mess of people and humanity that um the introvert in me just kind of like wants to stay away from it right i think it's gone through some changes and and it's not always um uh, some of them are good changes and some of them are i don't know who's necessarily whose fault it is or or what to attribute it to Um, i think the folks like yourself james who saw it from the beginning Um, we'll notice that it's changed quite a bit and not necessarily for the good. Right. Um, I'm of the mind that the idea that we're this arts community and we're all in it together isn't going to last. I think this is kind of what happens to those communities. It just kind of falls away as people find nothing stays the same. Nothing stays the same. Right. I think as people start to become more savvy and use things like social media or just strike out on their own, they're bound to be more successful. I think um, things like Art of Whirl and Art Attack just there's a lot of mediocrity there that can hide a lot of the things that are really standouts. Um, and I think there's some really great work that I think doesn't need things like that. Doesn't need that sort of sort of zombie passive crawl through those those areas to really show what they're doing. Right. I think a lot of people would benefit from not doing that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And most of the people who are successful don't really necessarily do that. But there's all different kinds of levels. I mean, I I guess what I'm interested in is going to be very different than other folks. Mm-hmm. But um, I think where we're witnessing now is to what degree are those kinds of things. I think St. Paul is going through the same thing. Like the St. Paul uh, arts community is also struggling to see, well, are we a group? Are we this sort of arts district in this certain level or this certain perimeter or are we just a bunch of artists who happen to operate the same area? Right. And some of those buildings that they're in are also going through different changes of closing and being sold and being turned into condos as well too. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if you look around, there are some smaller groups and some people who have kind of come together as a couple of studios, eight, ten that all have a similar interest and they're doing pretty well. They can kind of keep themselves going Yeah. rather than this sort of blanket organization that asks for fees and puts you in a book that no one reads really. And, you know, I, I just don't see that how that's going to continue to to be profitable.
1: Right. Right. I do. I do agree. I do see, um, and that's what's interesting about this town is that there are, you know, smaller than, you know, groups of artists that kind of band together and do things and, and sort of make it organic in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's just so many, there's just so much going on. But mm-hmm. yeah, w- once one of these buildings, like, you know, Northrop King, who has, you know, I, what is there, a hundred
2: and some studios in the building? It's, it's, I think what it's at, four floors, but I think only three of them, no, maybe it's five floors and only four of them have studios on it. So I think there's room to grow or to expand, but it sounds like the current owners want to, so. Yeah, they want to,
1: you know, monetize that. That land, basically, it's a lot to
2: manage. I'm sure it's probably a headache. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I can imagine the ice dams that must be on that place. It's <laughs> a <That> big <laughs> building. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's gigantic. The shoveling and yeah. the dri- just driving into there—that it's like a minefield of just like potholes. Just getting oh, into yeah. that area. Just, yeah. Has it been paved
1: over? I I don't think so. It's a it's a combination. of
0: roof. I mean, just yeah, just right. maintaining a roof in a building like
1: that. But we've we've looked at. I mean, so we're in the grain belt bottling house mm-hmm. the historical grain belt bottling house and across the street over in 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 basically two summers now we've got you know the growth of the city is just so on fire sort I of know. especially northeast mm-hmm. so there's a lot of transformation here going on but as a curator i guess you know you know you know i think there's a lot you know i i know you as picking a lot of folks you know here in the twin cities you know and there's a really diverse group of people and yeah. interesting work.
2: I think people are um, looking very broadly in terms of what kind of work they're making nowadays. You know, I always think it's exciting to pay attention to um, to the graduating class of some of the art colleges in town, because sometimes there's this interest in technology or in art making that um, I haven't thought of or I haven't come across quite yet. You know, there's a lot of people who are just doing a lot of navel-gazing as well, too, and they haven't really... You know, been out for a while, and so they're still thinking through things. But there's always a couple of things that are happening in, in those areas that are always a, a little sign of like, oh, it's, there's something to pay attention to. Right. Specifically, how someone might combine photography and media, for example, or painting and photography, or something. So there's a lot of there's a lot of energy in, in, in young graduates that some folks who've been around for a while find it you know kind of hard to muster sometimes. Yeah. You know? it's
0: like me, <laughs> myself, included. <laughs> myself included. Myself included. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's not as if you ever believed that making art and making a living from art was going to be easy though right i mean you no. you kind of knew that well i think get-go. at one point when i was
1: younger i did i was delusional a little bit i think you're still a little
0: delusional uh, well look what, we did, what, look what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> all right you two we are uh we have managed another 30 some minutes so I All think right. this would be a good time for us to thank Chris for coming in. Christopher, <laughs> is there
1: anything you'd like to promote yeah, on we, your way we do. out? How about a website? Yeah. Right, yeah. some sort that of people plug? People can find you. Yeah. Um, so people, find your
2: art. People can find me on my, um, on my uh, website at ChristopherJAtkins.com. Christopher Atkins is the uh, actor who was starred in Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields. So uh, yes. that's not me. Yes, I know <laughs> that because. a curly haired uh, blonde kid. Um, right. I have little hair, um, so that you'll, you'll notice it's not me. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I, I know this because uh, Kate Westfall, who works with us here, uh, when she was scheduling, mm-hmm. she said, Was he in the Blue Lagoon? <laughs> <laughs> no, different guy. Different not guy. me. <laughs> so, ChristopherJatkins.com.
2: And then you can find me on Instagram at EyesEars, E Y E S E A R S. All right. There you go. Yeah.
0: And hey, thanks okay. for having me.
2: Thanks for coming, well, in of course. It's been thanks. fun. You
1: can come back Any, anytime. Great. With <laughs> with beer. Sounds good. And a turkey. To <laughs> smoked turkey and a beer. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. thanks. Bye.
0: Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andolin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andolin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.